Today we talk about why do men always get a pass when it comes to infertility. I'm Dr. Mark Amos, and this is Taco About Fertility Tuesday. So, what do I mean when I say men always get a pass? What I'm specifically talking about is I find whenever couples come into my clinic and they are being worked up for the first time, I notice that the women always blame themselves. And I want to go over this because I don't think they should. Matter of fact, we know that about half the time it will be on the female side, half the time it will be on the male side, and about 20% of the time when it's 40-40 for both of them, it's kind of unexplained. But the question I wonder is, why do you guys blame yourself? Why do we not blame them, the men? I believe some of this just has to be the difference between women and men. I mean, generally, I know that my wife and other women I know seem to blame themselves first. They kind of take the blame. Whereas men, we tend to not take the blame. Doesn't mean we won't. But in general, as I always say, it's one of the nice things about being a guy is I feel like sometimes we don't blame ourselves first. Um, and then we sometimes come around it. But whereas women, they tend to blame themselves. Matter of fact, I see that all the time, even when we go through treatments and they don't get pregnant and they think they did something wrong when clearly they didn't. And so I think that's where some of this comes from. And to give you some examples of this, I would say even extreme examples, is that I remember this couple that came in and they both have been trying for about, you know, I'd say two you know, years. And she walked in and she says, well, I know it's me. And I was surprised. I was like, oh, wow. How does she know this? You know, maybe she knows something I don't know about. And so I asked her, I said, you know, to my bad ask, why do you think it's you? What, why, how do you know it's not him? And she says to me, well, he's had three kids before. I'm thinking, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. Except for one thing is you've also had three kids before with a different person. So why does he get the pass? And by having kids, it means it's not him. Yet you having kids doesn't mean it's not you. And the answer is it's probably because women are pretty amazing. They tend to blame themselves and internalize things. And I think that the same thing happens here. But I want to make sure you understand that it doesn't matter if he has had a kid before. Matter of fact, I've even heard people come in and say, oh, he's had a kid before. I go, oh, when was that? Oh, um, 15 years ago. 15 years ago? Wow, 15 years ago, the things I could do were amazing. Now I fall down trying to do simple tasks. So assuming a man's sperm is the same quality it was 15 years ago is crazy. Matter of fact, men's sperm gets worse as they get older. See, the reason we sometimes give men a pass is we have this perception that men for the whole lives can get someone pregnant. And there's a little bit of truth to that because, yes, men make sperm their whole life, whereas women, they do not release eggs their whole life. They have a reproductive period. And then once it's over, they're in menopause and they no longer make eggs. There actually are eggs still there. They just don't release them anymore. But with men, 
they continue to make sperm their entire life. But the thing is, is as they get older, it becomes very poor quality, even to the point it becomes so fragmented that many people can't even get pregnant. We see older men all the time with sometimes younger women, and they can't get pregnant. And the reason why is the sperm is just so poor due to their age. Now, the next thing I really want to get into then is we've cleared up the fact that we should, you know, blame men. There's nothing wrong doing that. And don't assume it's you. But the question is, we've talked about situations where they've had a kid. We haven't talked about situations about their semen analysis. So let's talk about that. So the typical story is the male goes into the reproductive place and gives his semen analysis and they call you and they tell you, oh my God, the sperm is so good. It's like Superman. It's the best we've ever seen. And, you know, he obviously gets his plaque and his, his you know, sticker for doing such good work. And we all say, wow, what great sperm. Now, first I want to tell you, usually the sperm isn't that great. It's okay. It's normal. But when people hear 100 million, they think, oh my God, that's so much. When in reality, that's kind of normal. But why do we tell men this? Because men like to hear this stuff. And so that's why clinics say it and it helps the men's ego. And so we like it too. But in reality, sperm's just probably normal. So in this situation, then there's no way it can be his fault, right? It has to be you. I hear this all the time. Well, his semen analysis is normal or his semen analysis is, you know, as good as Brad Pitt's, which obviously that is the peak of, of any sperm. But the, the thing is, is that the semen analysis might look good and the semen analysis may be normal, but does that really mean that it can't be him? I mean, are we to say that that semen analysis has put that sperm through the grind and said like, is it you? And sperm's like, no, no, it's not me. But is it you? No, no, not me. So how, how much can this semen analysis be relied upon? I mean, can we, can we truly not blame him? And the answer is no. Now, that doesn't mean that a good semen analysis means the sperm is likely good. It's actually true. If you think about any test, there's what's called a bell-shaped curve. And you take all the people who did the semen analysis. And what you find is that when people fall into those parameters, they tend to not have issues having kids. But the thing is that there are people who have poor sperm quality and they do have kids. And there's people who have very good sperm quality and they don't have kids. And that's because sperm analysis is not an actual test of the sperm. It's an observation of the sperm. We're looking at the sperm saying, how well is it moving? Is it moving forward? Is it moving in a circle? How much of it is there? How, what's the count of the sperm or the concentration of sperm? What's the environment around it, the pH? All these things are used to interpret how good the sperm is, but that doesn't mean the sperm itself is going to get to the egg. I mean, we see this every day, right? There are people in life who are very fast, but never make it to the NFL. There are people who are very tall, doesn't mean they make it to the NBA. So just having a shape, a parameter, a speed doesn't guarantee that it's going to get to the egg. You know, there are environments in the vagina that can create a hostile environment that can affect the sperm. Maybe there's some incompatibility issue. 
maybe the sperm very, very fast, but very, very dumb. And then very few, you know, are going to get to that egg. But the point is, when you think of sperm, keep this in mind. Of the millions and millions of sperm ejaculated, about 50 sperm make it to the egg. Those are not good odds. Can you imagine anything you ever did if they said, so if you put in about 100 million, you will get 50. You would say, these are horrible statistics. And that's because sperm is not that good. Matter of fact, sperm is supposed to be bad. I always make the comment, men do not make lots of sperm because they do it well. They make lots of sperm because they are so bad at making sperm, it takes that many to get a good one. And so when we look at this semen analysis and you know it's normal, don't blame yourself. It doesn't mean it's you. It still could be him. It's just not being seen in the semen analysis. And we don't even have to think of just, does the sperm get to the egg? Like I said, the sperm can look good and maybe be a poor swimmer. But the other question is, can the sperm get into the egg? Which we'll get into in a second. But I wanted to tell you about a story where we've all heard of the guy who has good sperm and they don't get pregnant. But I remember this one couple who came to our clinic and his sperm was very poor. The count was maybe four to six million. So which means after we wash it, it's going to be less than a million sperm. And I told him, I said, you know, you're going to probably need IVF because the sperm just doesn't look that good. It counts too low. Rarely can anyone get pregnant with artificial inseminations with this type of numbers. And the wife says to me, you know, I know everyone says that, but his sperm is really good. She says to me, it's like the Michael Phelps of sperm. They are all the best swimmers. There's very few of them, but man, can they swim. Now, I'll be honest. I didn't believe her. I've never seen anyone with a count like that get pregnant with IUI. But we did it anyways. And funny enough, they got pregnant. And the point she made was actually true. The semen analysis, probably 99% of the time, would have proved they wouldn't get pregnant with IUI. But in this situation, those sperm were so good, and they did. They had a very high motility rate, a very high progressive motility rate, that in this situation, it was able to get to the egg and they were able to get pregnant. And so just like we talked about when it's good, it doesn't mean it's not the male's fault. There are times even when it is bad, it can still work. And that's where we're going to get into the next situation. So I mentioned that sometimes the sperm doesn't get into the egg. And what I mean by that is, is that to fertilize, the sperm has to get into the egg. And so you can have good sperm parameters, but that doesn't mean the sperm is going to be able to fertilize the egg. Now, this is one of the reasons we look at morphology. Morphology is the shape of the sperm, and we're looking at the top of the sperm called the acrosome to find out if the sperm has the organelles and shapes to be able to get into the egg. But like I was saying earlier, we're not actually testing the sperm. We're not actually putting it with an egg to find out if it works. And even if we did, it may not be helpful. At one time, we did look at um, mouse eggs and, you know, we would see if we could, uh, sperm would, you know, attach to the, to the egg. We could put in another woman's egg and see if it attached. But in the end, it doesn't matter because it's your egg that we need to know the sperm works for. And 
Just like if someone's had kid in another relationship, it doesn't mean in your relationship that the sperm and the egg can fertilize. And so back to that point, even if there's a normal semen analysis, even the morphology is normal, sometimes the sperm can't fertilize. And with this last example I'll tell you about was I had this couple who, you know, they had already some kids and she had her tubes tied and they wanted to have one more kid and they wanted to do family balancing. And so we went through, his sperm was immaculate. And I mean, this one was really, really good. We're talking almost like half a billion sperm. Morphology was fantastic. So we went ahead and we did what's called standard fertilization, where we just put the sperm with the egg and we let them fertilize. And then the most shocking thing happened. None of them fertilized. And we had to do Rex USC. And we were actually able to then, you know, get them pregnant. But the question comes up is, how is it possible they didn't fertilize if they've already had kids before? I mean, isn't that a proven test? And the simple answer is yes, but the circumstances are much different. When you are trying naturally, the sperm are going through the reproductive tract. And the reproductive tract, as I always joke around, is like the American Ninja Warrior Corps for sperm. Only the best of the very best sperm will make it through. Again, remember, millions and millions of sperm down to 50 sperm. That is amazing filtering, okay? But when we do IVF, we don't have a female reproductive tract to put the sperm through. We don't have a way to filter it so well that we can get down to 50 sperm. So we're putting around 50,000 sperm around each egg. And in this situation, if there are some subtleties that are issues with the sperm that we didn't know about, they may be amplified because in this situation, the sperm hasn't been filtered as well. And a lot of those bad sperm may prevent the good sperm from being able to fertilize, leading to poor fertilization in the couple that even has a history of having kids. So in the end, was the point of this podcast so we can rag on the men? Well, the answer is no. As a matter of fact, I don't think anyone should be blamed. I mean, we, we are just born with what we have. You know, I don't blame myself that I have bad sperm. I just look at it as like, okay, it happened. This is the way God made me. Maybe this is the path I'm supposed to go to have kids. The most important thing I wanted is in the end, I wanted you to remember that 40% of the time, it's on the female side. 40% of the time, it's on the male side. And again, 20% unexplained. But most important, I don't want you to blame yourself. And you shouldn't. Like I said, neither should be blamed. There's a cause and we want to figure it out. But don't blame yourself. Don't assume because a sperm is normal that it can't still be the sperm. Don't assume that you are the cause of why it's not working. Because that's a lot of stress. And it's already stressful enough to try to get pregnant. And then to have that on top of it, blaming yourself, it's just not right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I look forward to talking to you guys again. As I always state, if you enjoy this, please tell your friends about us. Um, you know, give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast site. Really enjoy doing these. I look forward to next week with our next episode. I think you'll like it. Until next week, this is Taco Mount Fertility Tuesday.